Bonjour. Carl, I know it's you. Oh. Hey, man. Uh, I was just about to call you. That's so weird. Had your number dial, was about to press send. Did you block your number? Yeah, I did. You never answer when I don't. Hmm. So, what are you doing? Oh, just hanging out in my apartment. You did get my text, right? What? Text? What? We're all going out tonight. Oh, man, that sounds great. I wish I could join you. I'm just so jammed up. I'm totally off the grid, you know what I mean? Uh, no, I don't. At all. Uh, I got a bunch of stuff going on. There's this thing I gotta do. Any other night would have been great. Darn it to heck! Thing? What, what thing? Thing, you know, just a thing. If I had my thing in front of me, I could tell you what it is, but... I know there's a thing. A thing? Huh. You know, I don't think there's anything written down in your fake calendar. No. It says specific things. Specific things? Like, uh, get in line at the video store? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm not at the video store. I'm in my apartment. I can see you, Carl. I'm outside the video store. That's not me. It's not? Oh, I know what's happening. There is this guy who looks just like me who uh, goes a lot of the same video stores that I do. That's probably who you're seeing right now. Wow, that's amazing. Because his mouth is moving in exact sync with what you're saying. Carl, I know you're not saying anything. Carl, get outside. I know you're not talking. What? Carl! All right! Oh, Carl. Carl is having a hard time with life. His wife dumped him, she's got a new boyfriend, and Carl says no to everything. And a lot of people think that no is the only word that Christians seem to know. They think that Christianity is a whole bunch of rules and regulations. And, and just to prove this point, we went around several years ago when we were first starting the church, we went around Palestine and we asked people, what do you have to give up to become a Christian? Things you've got to give up. Sex. Just for the record, you don't have to give it up. Alcohol. Just for the record. The Bible says do not be drunk. It doesn't say don't drink. So you don't have to give up alcohol. Adultery. You've got to give that one up. Dancing. You don't have... I'm serious. These were the answers we got. Fun. We had a blast yesterday. A bunch of us went to the lake. We had a blast yesterday at the lake. You do not have to give those things up to become a Christian. People in Palestine think that becoming a follower of Christ means you say no to everything fun. No, 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 no. Well, we asked these same people, what do you gain becoming a Christian? You give up fun. What do you gain becoming a Christ follower? Some of them scratch their heads. I don't know. The only answer people could come up with was heaven. You give up everything fun, and in exchange you get to go to heaven when you die. Your life stinks right now, but when, when you die, woohoo, you get to celebrate. And, and I just don't think that is a very accurate picture of Jesus Christ. See, when you study the Bible, you find out that Jesus attended parties with tax collectors. Tax collectors were lower than dung collectors on the societal food chain. Dung collecting actually was a job. If you were here several weeks ago, you understand that dung collecting is a job. And, and that was a preferable job to a tax collector. Jesus went to parties for tax collectors. Jesus went to wedding festivals. Jesus went to all kinds of different places. 
He even, one time, he even saved the reputation of a groom when they ran out of wine. Jesus turns H2O into Merlot. I just wanted to see if you knew what that was. I know you better than that. Jesus turned water into the good stuff and saved this guy's reputation because back then, if you ran out of party food, it was a week-long festivity at a wedding, you were like the scourge of society. Jesus helped him out. Jesus was the coolest person ever. People that were prostitutes, people that, that were outcasts, the lepers of society hung out with Jesus. Don't tell me he wasn't a, a cool person to be around. He drew crowds. So why then do our churches not draw crowds? Because we suck. We suck the life out of people. Oh, don't do that. Don't do... No, 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 no. Well, Carl... Is it any wonder people don't want to go to church? My church will condemn you for everything you've ever done. Want to come? You want to leave feeling worse about yourself than when you showed up? Come to my church! People are running away from churches. Well, Carl is not living, he's existing. And he meets a guy. You know, you, you're smart enough to know that he's going to become the ultimate yes man. Well, he meets this guy who seems to be living life to its fullest. And the guy convinces him to go to a conference. Check this out. You have got to start saying yes, my man. And I mean to everything. Shh. Start. Life. We are all living it. Or are we? Change is generated from consciousness. But where is consciousness generated from? From the external. And how do we control the external? With one word. And what is that word? And the word you will have said two million times is... I want you to invite yes into your lives. Because it will RSVP yes. When you say yes to things, you embrace the possible. You gobble up all of life's energies and you excrete the waste. Before we begin today, I'd like to welcome our new members. Who among you is new? He is. This guy right here. He's new. Over here. Come on up, future yes man. Uh, that's okay. I'm just auditing. You can't audit life, my friend. Now get on up here. No thanks, I'm cool. I'm sorry? What was that you said? Uh, I said, uh, I'm cool. Before that? Thank you. Back up just a little bit more. No. No, no man! No man! No man! No man! 
the mole hill won't come to Terence, Terence will come to the mole hill. What's your name? Carl. Let me guess, Carl. Someone talked you into coming here today, didn't they? Yes. Yes! And you're not sure about this, are you? No. No man! No man! No man! No man! You're dead, Carl. You say no to life, and therefore you're not living. You make up excuses to the people around you and to yourself. You're stuck in the same dead-end job you have been for years. You don't have a girlfriend. You don't have anything close to a girlfriend. And you lost the love of your life because she couldn't be with someone who didn't live theirs. Oh, Carl buys into the theme of this whole conference thing. And here's the theme. Yes, always leads to something good. Y'all believe that, don't you? Y'all are smart. Y'all have lived some life. Well, Carl starts... He, every time he says no from this point on, bad things happen. And you just see the light go on. By the way, don't watch this movie. It's the dumbest movie ever. Don't, it's the first time I've ever used a movie that, that I would not want you to go get. It's a stupid movie. And I'll tell you why I chose it here in a second. But, but anyway, Carl decides that, that yes always leads to something good. And he almost it's like a bad luck thing if he's to say no to everything. So he becomes this ultimate yes man. And, and I got to uh, thinking that, isn't it when we say yes, isn't that when we get in trouble? The times you said no, you didn't get in trouble for that, or you didn't regret that. It's the times you said yes. Now, I'm not talking about everything. You say yes to Christ. We talk about that. We say yes to fun. We say yes to sex and marriage. Woohoo! 18 years. Sex is good. God created. It's a good thing. We say yes to a lot of stuff, but it's, the, it's those things that we know we shouldn't say yes to. Anyway, all right. Well, here's what, here's what Carl says. Um, yes to everything. And I got to thinking, wouldn't it cost a lot of money to say yes to everything? You want a Ferrari? Yes. You want to go on a cruise around the world? Yes. You want to skydive? Yes. I mean, it would cost a lot of money, right? And I was thinking, there's no possible way Carl, a banker, could say yes to everything. And, and he does all kinds of stuff. Well, but I want you to realize there once was a man who had almost unlimited resources. And he was the very first yes man in history. And we, ha we have his story recorded in the Bible. Do you know who he is? Solomon. Solomon was King David's son that he had with Bathsheba. Now, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that Solomon was the second um, time that, that King uh, David got Bathsheba pregnant. First time they were committing adultery, that child died. David had her husband killed in war, and then he marries her, and so this is the second child, second time he's gotten Bathsheba pregnant. And they named him Solomon. Solomon became king after King David, and, and God, he was a young man, and so God said, ask for anything you want. And Solomon said... Uh, God, I want to be wise. I'm, I'm young. I don't know how to, to uh, govern this people of yours, Israel. He said, so, so make me wise. And God was very pleased with his, 
request. And so God gave him all kinds of riches and fame and wisdom. And we're told that he's the wisest man who ever lived on the earth. God blessed him incredibly. Uh, and he was the wealthiest man to ever live. Bill Gates had nothing on him. He was known throughout the entire world. He built the greatest temple for God that Israel has ever known. And then he just lost his mind. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Wives, yes. <laughs> wives have the privileges of wives, concubines. You're, you're basically a sex slave and do the math. You know, you can't even get around if you have a different one every night. You, three years, you don't make it all the way around. No smart man tries to hang out with two women. You say no to that. Thank you. Well, he had it all, and he was the very first yes man, because he said, I, I decided to find the meaning of life. And Ecclesiastes is his yes man journey. He says yes to everything. Look at uh, chapter 2. We're going to read through several verses here. So Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, says, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, well, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. Now, how many of you could do this? I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water and irrigate my flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women. Others were born into my household. I owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasures of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers. You hired singers? I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. 300 of them. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. I, actually, you see at the end of his life, it says that his wives became a snare and led him away from the true God. And so he actually dies in disgrace because he was led away from the true God. But anyway, my wisdom never failed me. At least when he was writing Ecclesiastes, he said it hadn't. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. In other words, he's saying... I was a yes man, and I had all of the money to back it up. I could do whatever I wanted. I took, I took, I took yes to everything. And you know what he finds out? He says all his stuff is meaningless. Now, Carl becomes the yes man, says yes to everything. He gets wasted out of his mind because he can't say no. His friends call him, hey, let's go out tonight. Let's get drunk. Okay, yes, I have to say yes. Hey, Carl, you want to pick up the tab? He can't say no. Yes, these guys start manipulating him big time because they know he's made this covenant with himself to always say yes. He gets into a fight because the guy says, do you want to step outside? Well, he can't say no, so he says yes. Gets into a fight. And, and he does all of these things. The only answer he can give is yes if he wants his life to uh, mean anything, to, to, to always lead to something good. He's a banker, and so everybody that comes in for a loan, one dude wants to come in and he says, I would like to start an organic manure, organic fertilizer, organic manure distribution system. Is there any other kind of manure? 
I thought it was all organic. He says yes, because all he can say is yes to anybody, anything. And along the way, he actually does a couple of good things, not because he wants to, but because he has to say yes. So he goes to a homeless shelter because someone said, do you want to work at the homeless, homeless shelter? Yes. And, and he even saves a suicidal guy because he just happened to be there and someone said, can you do something? And he says yes by accident. Here's the suicidal guy. Wish you'd step back from that ledge, my friend You could cut ties with all the lies that you've been living in And if you never want to see me again I would understand I would understand <laughs> Um, oh what is it? The angry boy bit too insane. Icing over a secret pain. You know you don't belong. Everyone I know has got a reason to say. You can put the past away. Wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. I could cut down all the lies you've been living in. Yeah. If you never want to see me again, I would understand. 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 If you'll just say yes to everything, the homeless will be fed. Suicidal people will be saved. Right? Well, not according to Solomon. Solomon could have saved Carl a lot of money, a lot of disappointment. And I think that Solomon could save us the same thing if we'll pay attention to what he has to say. So if Solomon were here today, and we have his words, so in a way Solomon is here with us, he would give us some advice about some things that don't last. And this is a guy who backed it up. We're at, we're at Lake Jacksonville yesterday, and we're seeing immaculate homes, you know, and we're all like, oh, I wish I had that, I wish I had that. Well, I want to show you some things that don't last, and this comes from Solomon. First thing that does not last is pleasure. Pleasure. Ecclesiastes 1.8 says, No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Because you go out to some place like the lake and you're seeing these massive homes. If I just had that, I'd be happy. Well, not necessarily. Most ads on television appeal to this deep desire we have for happiness. The taste that satisfies. Was well, that true? No, because if it really satisfied, you wouldn't have to have another cup or another beer, or another cigarette. I mean, if it satisfied you, then they'd all go out of business. How many of you have had a late-night refrigerator raid? You're hungry, but you don't know for what, and so you go and you open the door, and you might nibble on a few things, nibble on, you know, you, you just don't know, you, you know you're hungry, and you may even go back to bed, and you're still hungry. Well, many people live life that way. 
they have this burning desire inside of them to be happy. But they don't know how, so they try all kinds of junk. They'll try one-night stands. And, and that might be fulfilling for one night. And they'll try all kinds of things. Drugs, alcohol, relationships. And they'll move from one thing to another. Jobs, you name it. Boats, toys. They'll try it all. Yes, yes, yes to pleasure. And it does not last. Saw some really nice toys at the lake yesterday. Rotting. They don't last. And the Bible says the pleasure of sin lasts a short time. The Bible's very realistic. Don't tell me that it doesn't apply to your life. The Bible says that sin is fun for a time. But the consequences of sin are not fun. Destroys families, destroys generations. It's powerful. Some folks have said everything to life, said yes to everything in life except God. The one thing they really need. You find the wildest person you can find. And I've I talked to a lot of them. You look into their eyes and you'll see a soul that is not satisfied because they've tried it all and they know that it, it sucks the life out of you. Pleasure does not last. There's a second thing Solomon would tell us today that doesn't last and that's success. Boy, in America, we, we chase success. And one of my favorite phrases in, in Ecclesiastes is he says that everything is like chasing after wind. I don't know if you've ever seen kids when we, when Caleb was younger, he played soccer and we started at four years old and at four years old, we had this kid on our soccer team that had no interest in playing, but he wanted to chase his shadow. Sucker never caught it. He would chase it all during the game. Butterflies, he'd chase it. Can you imagine chasing after the wind? Yesterday it was pretty windy. Can you just see somebody running? Where are you going? After the wind. Hope you find it, dork. That's what we do with life, chasing success. It's like chasing after the wind. You never fully get there. Look what Solomon says. So what do people get for all their hard work? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night they cannot rest. It is utterly meaningless. There's this myth in America that says success produces satisfaction, but that's just not true. You talk to people who have experienced lots and lots and lots of success who are not satisfied. Because you get addicted to success. You're trying to get that next success high. May not be a drug-induced high, may not be a sexual pleasure high, but it's a high nonetheless. And you're trying to get that next... It does not last. And after the thrill of winning, and some people have won a lot in life, and they're not satisfied because it does not last. Third thing that Solomon would tell us doesn't last is possessions. Today there are more products available for hair care and teeth care and skin care than ever before. Twice as many products are out there today as there were 10 years ago. And they all have the same slogan, satisfaction guaranteed. Are people twice as happy today as they were 10 years ago? No, so possessions must not do it. Ecclesiastes 5.10, Solomon says, He who loves money will never have enough. The foolishness of thinking wealth brings happiness. This was the richest guy who ever lived. He said, money and stuff just don't last. You know, poor people say, Oh, when I get enough money, then all my problems will be solved. The rich people know that's not true. 
Do you know that, that most people, and, and I'm not trying to condemn you, but most people who play the lottery don't have money. 70% of the people who buy lottery tickets every week are the poorest in our society. Hoping, hoping that that money... And then there's this whole study, I've got it in, in one of my files, about over 70% of the people who win the lottery, within three years they've blown all the money and they're back where they were. Hmm, money must not be the answer. At least poor people have hope. Rich people know it's not true. Right? Happiness can't be bought. So to sum up Solomon's thoughts, after he'd tried everything under the sun, he says, everything is chasing after the wind. Work is meaningless. Possessions are meaningless. Solomon's message to us is, there is more to life than work and toys and trying to feel pleasure. Those things are not the point in life. And, and so what is the point? If that's not the point in life, you get to the end of Ecclesiastes... And Solomon says, to boil it all down, here it is. Love God and obey Him. He said, I've tried it all. I could back it up. I had power, fame, and fortune. I could back it up. I've tried everything. The thing that you need to do, he says, is love God and obey His commands. Well, if you want to know from the lips of Jesus, the only one never to sin, here it is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus says... Happy are those who are hungry and thirsty for true goodness, for they will be fully satisfied. You want to be satisfied? Then, then pursue good things. Pursue righteousness. Carl's not satisfied with his life, and finally all this yes stuff catches up with him. And his girlfriend dumps him because she finds out the only reason he went out with her in the first place was because he had to say yes. And the only reason he, he was going to move in with her is because he had to say yes. Well, she gets ticked off and he realizes that sometimes you've got to say no. Here's this scene. You really have to be careful. Uh-huh. Okay, these things have a lot of... Torque. What are you doing here? I just wanted to tell you that I don't want to live with you. Oh, wow. Thanks. My name Shining Armor. Okay, people, let's go. But I want to be with you. But I don't want to be with you. I don't even know who you are. 
Everything I said to you, I meant, except for the part about living together. That makes me nervous. But that's normal. It's a big decision. We shouldn't just jump into something like that without thinking about it. Why not? You do it with everything. You just say yes, 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 to whatever comes your way. That's not true. You can say no if you don't want something. Oh, brilliant, Carl. Where'd you get that? Your literature? Look, I know the philosophy has some holes. Oh, you think? Hmm. Seems pretty airtight to me. But if I hadn't done that, I never would have met you. Because the old Carl didn't think he was enough for anybody. I thought if I said yes to things and got involved with people, sooner or later they'd find out I'm not enough. I didn't think I had anything to share. But now I know that what I have to share is pretty huge. And I want to share it with you. Do you mind, Reggie? Seriously, dude. Sorry. This seemed interesting. And even if I had met you, I never would have asked you out. You were the complete opposite of me. You did things and had friends and sang in rock bands and made life happen. You weren't scared of anything. You don't think I'm scared of anything? Who do you think I am? I'm scared of a lot of things. And I'm scared too. So let's be scared together. I don't know what you want me to say. So just say yes. But only if you really want to. And can you do it kind of soon? I think I'm starting to get a chill. Yeah, I noticed that. Well... Maybe. Come on. I'm not gonna say that word. Okay, maybe it's fine. Maybe it's good. I like maybe. Reggie, come Dude. on. I like maybe. In life, you gotta learn to say both words. You gotta learn to say yes, you gotta learn to say no. And you have to realize that any time you say no to God, you're saying yes to something else, or vice versa. You say yes to something that is not God's plan, you're saying no to God. The creator of the universe has a plan for you, and you'll never be fully satisfied until you discover His plan and start living that out. So, the first thing we need to do is we need to say yes to spiritual food. There is such thing as nourishing your soul. The Bible says we're spiritual beings and God made us to love Him and to know Him and be loved by Him. Nothing can take the place of that. There's no substitute. There's a, there's a hunger in your soul for spiritual things because your Creator put it there to drive you to Him. And hopefully you learn sooner rather than later that the emptiness in your soul, in your gut, can only be filled by Christ. John 8.35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. That's wonder bread. I had some Texas toast bread this morning. I'm already hungry. There is a spiritual bread that Jesus Christ says He is that bread. Bread is the, one of the basic essentials of life. You can live on bread and water for a long time. Um, in, in famines, you know, one of the first things that they fly into places is flour that they unload so that they can make bread because people can be sustained for a long time on bread. Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I'm it. What you really need is me. I can meet your needs. You're looking for everything else, but I'm the bread of life. I'm what you really need. I'm the essential. You can't do without me. And you know, one of the popular... Things in our society is that you can find satisfaction inside yourself. Find happiness within. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. When you're physically hungry, do you say, 
O stomach, feed thyself. Good luck with that. When your soul is hungry, you don't find satisfaction from your own soul. You've got to go to an outside source. Just like physical hunger, you've got to feed that. Jesus says there's a spiritual hunger that will never be satisfied unless you eat the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ Himself. Look what else Jesus says in John 4. Jesus said, whoever drinks water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become in him a spring of living water. Water is even more essential than food. You can live several days without food. You can live weeks without food. You can't go more than three days without water. 70% of your body is water. Every cell in your body needs water to survive. So you cannot survive without water. Neither, Jesus is saying, can you survive spiritually without spiritual water. Well, that comes from Jesus Christ Himself. He says, I made you, you can't live without me. You will die, you will shrivel up, your soul will die if you're not eating the bread of life, if you're not drinking the living water that comes from Jesus Christ. By the way, if, if you are being baptized, you can go ahead and, and head out and get ready for that. We're about to head back there. So He's saying, you need to say yes to spiritual water and to the bread of life. There's something you need to say no to, and that is spiritual junk food. The second thing on your listening guide, stop eating spiritual junk food. What that means is quit looking for things in life that do not satisfy. Isaiah 55.2 says, Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Do you know there's a plant in Australia that you can crush the leaves, the, the spores from the clover fern can be made into bread. The bad thing is, this particular bread contains no protein, no carbohydrates, no vitamins. The things essential for maintaining life. So those who depend on this type of bread will get full, but they will eventually die because there is no life-sustaining ingredients in that type of bread. There's some things in life that will not sustain you. Spiritual junk food doesn't satisfy. There are no nutrients to nourish your soul. And it's interesting that our appetites are influenced by our associations. Have you noticed that? If you hang out with people who like junk food, what do you tend to eat? Junk food. If you want to have an appetite for godly things, you need to be around some people who are seeking after godly things. It's contagious, a godly appetite is. Spiritual hunger is contagious. So if you want to be more hungry for the things of God, find some people who are pursuing God with all of their heart and soul. Hang out with them. That's why we try to get people into small groups. You become like the people that you are like. If you get around people who eat junk food, you're going to eat junk food. So, now do you want to know the secret of satisfaction? What's that one word you need to say? Do you want to know the secret of spiritual satisfaction? Come on, come on. Do you want to know the secret to spiritual satisfaction? Yes! Yes, man, yes, man. Okay. Psalm 37, 4, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. This is one of the first verses that I memorized when I was a teenager. Do what the Lord wants and He will give you your heart's desire. So, the Bible is saying that if you want to have soul satisfaction... You've got to obey God. Happiness is a byproduct of obeying your spiritual maker. Well, how do you do that? Well, Jesus told us there's three words. And I'm going to have you write this. So you can go ahead and do this on the back of your uh, registration card. Three things. And, and Danielle, if you'll put John 8 back up there. 
Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, the first word is come. Have you ever come to Jesus Christ? You come to Him. Second step is in that verse as well. Whoever believes, so write the word believes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son, that He died on the cross for your sins? That, you, that means you believe He died, He was in a grave, He rose again, He's no longer dead, and that His death bought your freedom from your sins. And then the next one is in John chapter 4. Whoever drinks. So you've got to come to Jesus. You've got to believe. But here's the thing. I believe that there was, a, there was a historical figure named Hitler, but I'm not a Nazi. I believe there was a Hitler, but I'm not a Nazi. I believe in Jesus Christ, and I'm a Christian because I have committed my life to Him. I'm not committed to Nazis. I'm committed to Jesus Christ, and I've asked Him to forgive my sins and be the leader of my life. When I do that, the Bible says you're adopted into God's family. A lot of you believe about God, but you've never committed your life to Him. And maybe today is the day you need to do that. So those three words on the back, I want you to look at those that you've just written on the back of your registration card. Come, believe, and drink. Third word is drink. If you have ever come to Christ and said, I need you, you put a check mark by the word come. If you believe that Jesus Christ was God's Son, died on the cross, was in the grave, was raised again, you check that. But the drinking... You see... A lot of you want about five cents worth of Jesus. You just want to sip. You want enough just to get you through the day. But you don't want to give control of your life to God because you're afraid. Might make me a preacher. They don't have no fun. God, God might make me get rid of some of my toys. God might make me do something I don't like. If that's what you believe, you do not know God. You take the most perfect human father you've ever known, who dotes over his children, loves them, provides for them, disciplines them. You multiply that by infinity and you have a heavenly father who wants only the best for you. Don't tell me that giving all of your life to Christ won't bring you soul satisfaction. When I was, I was sharing this with, with one of the guys that's going to be baptized today. When I was a teenager, I said, God, I'll do anything for you but preach. Because I thought the most horrible, below dung collector, below tax collector, I thought preaching was down there. And so as a 17-year-old at youth camp, I said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but I'll never preach. Because I thought that just sucked. And honestly, there's nothing I'd rather do. You see, when a loving Heavenly Father, when you place your life in His hands, you commit your life to Him. He gives you a job to do that you will absolutely love and you can't imagine your life without it. That's what a loving Heavenly Father does. And that's on, that only happens to people who commit their lives to Him. This, this half-hearted, I'll sip you on Sunday mornings and then I'll just live like hell the rest of my life, that doesn't work. You don't clean yourself up enough to come to Christ. Nobody does. So He came to us and He says, I'm going to offer you something, a type of lifestyle that will live on after you die. You see, I feel like my number one job is not preaching. 
My number one job is, is to be the man God wants me to be, to be the husband that Janie needs me to be, to be the father my children need. If I fail at those things, it doesn't matter what I do in the church. If, if though, I can pour those values into my wife and my children, and they go on and they pour those values into their spouses and their children, they may start churches someday that are radical for us to even think about. Woohoo! I'll be cheering them on. I want to pour my life into something that lasts. I, I don't have time to waste my life on things that don't last. And I really think there's some people here that believe the same way. There is something stirring in your gut today where you say, I've got to do more for things that last. I've got to do something for God because this life is not enough. You were created by God for eternity. That's why our bodies wear out and we die. My dad's 87. I'm going to see him Tuesday because I just want to hang out with him a couple of days before Father's Day. I don't know how many more days my dad's going to have. His body is breaking down. Dad can't stand up. He's bent over because he's in so much pain all the time. He doesn't complain. My dad's eventually going to die because God created that body to die. He doesn't want us to get attached to this planet because this planet is not all there is. God wants us to practice on this planet for heaven. The only thing you get to take with you to heaven is your character. Not your toys, not your house, not even your relationships, your family relationships. Your spiritual family will live on past your physical family. Let's plug into something that lasts. 